I'm your host, T.G. Brandfault, and you're listening to the Gondrepreneur.com podcast, where we try to bring you actionable information and normalize cannabis through the stories of Gondrepreneurs, activists, and industry stakeholders. Today, I'm joined by Mecca King. He's the filmmaker for the Color Green Cash, Color, and Cannabis, and podcast host of Cash, Color, and Cannabis. I'm super excited to have him on the show today. Uh, we're kind of cut from the same cloth, my man. We do a lot of the same things. Uh, how you doing this morning? I'm doing great this morning, man. Um, I, you sound like you're doing better than me. I haven't had a chance to light anything up yet. Uh, it's 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 one of those uh, you know pre podcast luxuries I'm afforded <laughs> because we don't use video. Um, t- t- let's let's start with you, man. Tell me about yourself and and you know you you have a you have a background in filmmaking. You went to school for for journalism. Uh, so so first, tell me about yourself, man. Like like how did you end up? where you are right now with the podcast and, you know, uh, working on this documentary. Sure. Um, like you said, um, I went to school for journalism, Johnson C. Smith University in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, I was writing early. You know, I started writing for the student newspaper. While I was there. I was um, I was the co-editor along with my friend Aaron James. And from that point, you know, I just kind of fell in love with the with being able to tell a story just using words. You know, so um, I, I I proceeded to to write for other for other publications while I was in Charlotte. Um, Charlotte Post, Charlotte Magazine. I had some stories in. Um, I started a website called Last Word Online in 2004 that was targeted to mainly hip hop crowds, and it was. Kind something organic that I built again while I was living in Charlotte and it grew to a, it grew a nice little base where before you know it I was being reached out to by writers and um, editors from other cities so I had a chance to um, actually branch out and eventually write for double XL and eventually it turned into a basketball and I became a sports journalist as well and started writing for slam magazine so I was covering high school basketball in the um, state of North Carolina um, as that time went on though I started seeing myself um I guess phase myself out if that make if that makes sense. Like I, I grew up reading magazines for the most part, and then before you know it, websites took over. So as I'm being a published writer, I'm also I'm also continuing to build this website that's kind of um replacing writers, you know. So I had to eventually um have a come to Jesus meeting with myself and say that you know if you're gonna really progress as a writer and progress as a journalist, you're gonna have to stick with the with the online market. So um I started another website called DJs Doing Work, which actually spawned off a film project. I was working on called DJs Doing Work, which was a documentary about um, DJs and hip hop, uh, which who I'm a huge fan of, just the whole DJ culture and hip hop. So I started um, started DJs Doing Work. And before you know it, again, I was looking around and saying that I feel like maybe film is probably the best option to use when it comes to um telling stories for the new for the new generation like more people are less people are reading print magazines and even less people are starting to read blogs anymore more thing is more about what you're seeing visually so i decided to uh, pick up a camera and and use um the cameras to, to, to kind of start telling these stories that i wanted to tell and start interviewing these people i wanted to interview so um before you know it i started working on an, a project called crown royalty the history of charlotte hip-hop while i was in charlotte it was about the charlotte hip-hop scene from the beginnings which um i got a chance to get to know a lot of the pioneers of the Charlotte hip hop scene to the people who were working and making it known um, back when I was filming this, which was 2010. That was the very first, I guess, documentary project I worked on. It was 30 minutes long, and I set up an event where we actually showed it on, at the Charlotte um, Charlotte Actors Theater, Actors Theater of Charlotte, excuse me, in Charlotte. And it, we drew a great crowd. It was a great reception. And that just kind of gave me 
me the, the the spark to know that, yeah, you're doing it right, that you seeing that film and visuals are becoming a bigger part of storytelling. So you might as well phase yourself more into that. So from Crown Royalty, we got um, DJs doing work and the DJs doing work project that I um, still haven't um, completed. It's in, it's in draft now. And that led to where we're at right now with Cash Color Cannabis. Um, when we started um, about a year and a half ago, um, I had a friend of mine named Royal who um, used to stop by my house a lot. He's a, he's a chef by trade. And he was telling me then that he wanted to get into the cannabis industry. He really didn't know how to do it. So he had came to me to see if maybe I could help him um, establish maybe some relationships with the media. And I told him then that I don't think a lot of hip-hop artists or a lot of hip-hop um, outlets would even cover something like this at the, at the moment. And, you know, as he was more telling me about it, I was like, well, maybe I can help you out just by letting me know some of the outlets. And he said, hi, Times. He started mentioning a couple other places. But he also mentioned that, you know, from his from his um, travels in this industry, going from conference to conference from, from about 2014, late 2014 to about 2015, he has said he didn't see too many people of color or too many people who look like him at all, which was a huge shock to me. Because me growing up, all I've ever known was, I guess, um, just people smoking weed. Like it never was the biggest deal. It didn't, wasn't, wasn't really something that I guess people were, were, were really um, looking at as a negative. So I was kind of shocked that I wasn't seeing more people of color getting involved early, especially um, around 2014 when you started seeing some more states becoming open to um, medical and recreational cannabis. So through his story, I decided that we should make, we should um, try to take on the, the, the topic of cannabis and, and the lack of minorities, and lack of people of color in the industry. So he was a huge help with that as far as sparking that idea. And again, just me already leaning towards the film aspect of life, I thought that um, it would be dope to kind of put this bit, put this um, project together visually. And what started off as a short film, which was supposed to be about a 15 minute to 30 minute film focused on Royal, turned into a, a, a feature that involves a ton of people and um, from across the country who all had the same um, opinions and all had the same notions that I had that there should be more people of color getting involved or at least being aware of what's going on. I mean, to to your point that the cannabis industry is dominated uh, by by white whites by non minorities. Um, you are actually the first uh, black male that's that's been on this podcast, and you know that that to me when I realized this, uh, you, this, this wasn't really a shock to me. But I was like, how have I gone this long without finding anybody who's really immersed in the industry that that's a male of color? I, I have interviewed uh, black females and Latinas and uh, Latinos. Um, so from from your you know doing the podcast from doing the documentaries, what's your initial sort of take on, on why this? disparity exists let's just start there uh well well i feel like the disparity exists primarily um you know this and this is a topic that we actually touch on in the documentary i call it the three p's politics past issues and pop culture um these three things play a huge role in 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 um our community is why we're not seeing more people of color pay attention to uh, even pay attention to the cannabis industry Uh, i guess when i say past issues i think about um say my mother my mother for instance grew up in the civil rights era she is a staunch um she's she's just uh, absolutely against anything that relates to drugs or anything that she feels like can destroy our community she she just is that person always has been always will be um me growing up um you talking about somebody who grew up um, late 80s, early 90s, the last thing I thought about was cannabis being a, a negative, to be completely honest with you. And that was because of what I was seeing at that time 
through pop culture and through music and through hip hop. Like Snoop Dogg was huge in my life at that moment. Dr. Dre's The Chronic, you know what I mean? Like this to <laughs> me was just something people did. Where my mother, again, at the same time, looked at it as, as a down, as a as a gateway drug to the to, to heroin, cocaine, and everything else. Now I have a nephew who is 18 now. He's going to college. His view of cannabis is something totally different from mine. And it's way different from his grandmother's, you know what I mean? So I look at it like when, when we start saying why we're not seeing more people of color, past issues have a whole lot to do with that. The way you grew up and the way that you 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 saw cannabis, um, how it, how whether it was stigmatized early, like how my mother saw it, how it was starting to become commercialized, like how I saw it, or how it's decriminalized, like he's seeing it right now, is is it, we're, we're, you're seeing them three vast different ways, and those that those different ways are still trying to are still hindering people from saying this might be something viable for us to get into, or might be something even to pay attention to. You know, we still have a lot of people from my mother's generation who are controlling politics and control the media and control things that you see. And there's still people like myself who are involved who see it as, well, I just assumed everybody was going to be involved. Like, why would I, why would I have to make a, a noise about this? I just grew up thinking that this was perfectly fine to do anyway. You know, so I think that past issues plays a huge part in it, um, as well as pop culture. Like, again, me growing up, Snoop Dogg, um, Dr. Dre, The Chronic, even later, Wiz Khalifa's in them. All I knew was weed, was weed was something that people just did. But as I started doing this film, what I didn't notice was was how people, I guess, actually view view who does cannabis and who does who is a consumer. You know, like um, when you see a show like Weeds or you see a show like Mary Jane, they're showing they're showing cannabis users and people who are using cannabis or even selling it in ways where you either sympathize with them like weeds or you you're entertained by them with like mary jane where if you often see people of color involved in anything drug related it's 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 either as a crime aspect of it or it's you're doing this as a survival to get out of something you know, and, and at no point are you looking at this person and thinking you're having any sympathy for them. You're looking at it like, why are you committing a crime? So if you keep seeing things like that in the media, again, it's going to turn off people from trying to get involved, which I, when I speak to people, just regular people in the street, this is one of the first things they pop in their minds is, well, I'm going to get arrested anyway. You know, they don't think about how, well, even medically, how this could help me or anything else. The first thing they think is I'm going to get arrested by having this in my hand. Like, I don't care how the laws change. I just know for a fact from what I see on TV, from what I've seen in my whole life, all I know is getting arrested. So, you know, when we start replacing um, the images you see consistently in the media and we start um, having bigger conversations amongst mm -hmm. generations, we're going to start seeing people change. And that's going to affect the politics. You know, when we see people right now, again, when I saw when we was in, when, when right before House Bill 722 passed in Georgia, I had a chance to be down to the state capitol and see um, see kind of a rally for it and see people speaking up for it and why we need to have this, um, why we need to have CBD oil and why we need to start looking into medical marijuana in Georgia. And all I saw was a room full of Republicans, primarily white Republicans with their wives and children or, or friends of theirs. And like how you said you went through your podcast and didn't see a black person and didn't really dawn on you. It dawned on me immediately that I was the only black person in this whole entire room. <laughs> that, 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 yeah, that was, and it startled me that that we're having this conversation not because of the issues that we've seen in the drug war, not because of the arrest rates we're seeing or, or anything like that. We're having this conversation because these people got together and said, my kids need this. So when you, again, look through politics, look through past issues and look through pop culture, we're really not, we're really not seeing any reasons why people of color would get involved in this industry. You know, to, to be completely honest.
Well, I want to press these these issues uh, uh, quite a bit more. Uh, they deserve a lot more discussion than we're actually able to give them in the, in the time frame of the show. But before we get into that, we got to take our first break. This is the Entrepreneur.com podcast. I'm T.G. Brandfall. If you are looking for a job in the rapidly growing and highly competitive cannabis industry, Gontrepreneur.com is the place to look. Visit the Gontrepreneur job board today to browse current openings with cannabis companies throughout the United States, from entry-level bud tender positions to executive-level career opportunities. You can also create a profile and upload your resume to be discovered by cannabis recruiters. Visit our job board at jobs.gontrepreneur.com to create your profile today. If you are a business owner, you can post your job openings for as little as $25 on our job board to reach the largest and most engaged audience of cannabis professionals on the web. Companies who are listed in the Gontrepreneur Business Directory are eligible for free job listings. If you are already signed up, contact us today via the website or send us an email at grow at to activate your unique coupon. Welcome back to the Gontrepreneur.com podcast. I'm your host, T.G. Brandfall, here with Mecca King, filmmaker, the color green, cash, color, and cannabis, and podcast host of Cash, Color, and Cannabis. Um, so before the break, you, you had sort of broken down the, the three points that you cover in your documentary, Politics, Pop Culture, and Past Issue. I, w- I want to put my finger on politics a little bit deeper. It really shouldn't surprise anyone that minorities, uh, that, that, are no- that minorities are unfairly targeted by police for cannabis crimes throughout the nation. Uh, about a year ago, declassified federal files showed that uh, Nixon's reasons for the war on drugs was to target, quote, blacks and hippies, unquote. Um, and not much has changed since then. And, and due to such convictions, uh, hordes of folks are prevented from entering the legal industry. If you look at, you know, uh, states like New York, you can't get a business license if you have a past felony issue, even if it's for something, you know, a, under the Rockefeller drug laws, which are completely draconian and, and we're definitely, uh, targeting minorities with those. Uh, lawmakers in some states have attempted to create so-called equity provisions to address this yeah. issue. Um, What's your take on those, you know, quote, reparations, unquote, provisions uh, in cities such as Oakland, uh, Los Angeles? You know, this is mostly a, a, a California thing right now. Um, yeah. But what, what's, what's your take on, on the on these sort of proposals? Well, um, when I first heard about it, um, it was through Oakland, you know, and I, I heard that Oakland was trying to offer um, a sort of a drug war reparations through their new um, marijuana equity program. And I still think it's an awesome thing to do. Like, it's, it's one of those things you're going to have to um, you're going to have to kind of be open towards, you know, what I mean, because you can't really have an industry where you have you are you are able to legally purchase cannabis from say like a store or 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 something like that or even legally to grow and you have people who are either still in jail for the same reason or about to be released and they had that charge on them and now they can't even get into this industry if they wanted to so you're going to have to figure out something as far as um some way to make that work you know what i mean because again I, I i've often said to even the friends of mine 
it's very hard for me to see people pull money out of this industry while there's still people in jail. Like, it's almost like, like you can't, it's, it's something you're going to have to make. You're going to have to make sense after a while, but also what they're making sense of that. You're going to have to make it affordable. You know what I mean? Like, like at some point, I don't, I don't care how much, unless the, you're giving these people free licenses, most people coming out of jail aren't coming into money. You know what I mean? And most people who are coming, who are coming out of jail are looking at a, a, a long list of stigmas. That's going to be a, attached to them not just cannabis well, you know a, lot what I mean? of, so, a lot of times man like the cops have taken them their money and assets the minute that yeah. they get arrested yeah 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 you're looking at an upward battle the minute you get out of jail so i feel like if if they you know if you are going to open it up to 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 um, some kind of like you say dr- reparations for the drug war and and the people who are incarcerated you're going to have to figure out a way where you can make at least financially Ex- financially ex- make it financially accessible for them because you're not going to see a lot of people come out of jail with that money to be able to get a dispensary license or even be able to run one be honest with you and if you did have it you're getting more questions you know like like i had a friend of mine when we first started filming it he, um a matter of fact his name is branson i thought branson for the longest was a strain of weed like cookies you know growing <laughs> up but he was he was actually biggie's biggie smalls jada kiss um um, Puff Daddy's weed guy. So I had a chance to meet him when I was in New York. And um, he had mentioned to me about how, you know, he said, Mac, I actually have the money to do some of this. I have the money to get a license. I have the money to get a lot of things. He said, but the minute I put down $40,000, $50,000, the next question is where you got it. And he, yeah. he had made a mention about how with people of color, often you got to prove even where you got your money from. And, and and when you go through even when just knowing this again, knowing that you're going to go through these hoops and ladders, it almost you're you're just people disqualify themselves. They say to themselves why they can't get into it more than thinking, well, this is just a small thing to overcome as far as raising money. Maybe if I get some friends together, we could raise it together. You don't think that far. You think immediately, well, one, if I do get the money, they're going to ask me where I got it from. Two, if I do run this business, how, who's to say they're not going to come in and kick in my doors? You know, people just really run their mind, run through their minds a lot with the whole getting arrested and this being a, a, a thing that they've only known criminally. You know, and again, until we get that whole mindset out of our heads, you're not going to see a lot of people of color getting involved in this industry. So I, I want to you, you had mentioned Branson, you had mentioned, uh, you know, Biggie and, and Diddy. And, and and in an interview, you had said that there are some artists who are knee deep in the cannabis industry that never talk about this race issue. Uh, can you tell me more about what you meant by that comment and, and how these people that you're referring to could act as advocates uh, in, in an effort to bring light to this issue? Sure, totally. Um, you know, and, and I'm much praise to Snoop Dogg. Again, I grew up listening to Snoop, but I feel like Snoop Dogg is one of those artists. You know, we have people like Snoop. We have people like Wiz who are, like I say, knee deep in this industry, whether it be investments like Snoop has with websites and, and into into um, product and, and things like that. Or, or Wiz, where Wiz has his own strain and Wiz has relationships with raw papers. But what we rarely hear from any rappers is... Um, their business dealings. They'll speak a lot about how to consume weed. They'll speak a lot about how to roll up. Like I literally learned how to roll a blunt listening to Red Man's How to Roll a Blunt. You know what I mean? Like, like, <laughs> you're like just being completely honest. Like, dude, you'll learn things like that through music, but you you'd have to do deep, serious research to realize that some of these people have business tie-ins to this industry. And I feel like if you did see a Snoop Dogg or a Wiz Khalifa speak up more versus, say, Al Sharpton. I know Al Sharpton spoke recently in New York about um. Um, the reparations and making sure that we have a more diverse cannabis industry. That's all well and good, but you need somebody again who who 
somebody my generation grew up seeing, speaking, and knowing they're in this industry speaking about that. And I feel like that's a lot, that's that's real flaw that we're not seeing that from some of these artists. Now, again, I know I'm not, you can't force people to be activists. You can't force people to speak out about any and everything. But I feel like this is something that would be beneficial to even their growth in, the, in, this, in this industry is for them to tie themselves to this conversation about the lack of diversity in the cannabis industry. But then again, it's, it's up to them. You know what I mean? Like I would, I would love to see a red man, Snoop Dogg, Wiz, um, even Burner. I would love to see some of them get actually involved in this conversation versus just playing it from the background or just playing it as a middleman for somebody else selling a brand. Let me, let me ask you, man, would, would you, if, if you had the, the finances, would you enter this space? Uh, would I enter this space? Um, no, I would not actually. Now, and I would just say no, I would not because I see it. I see it being more important that we have a media presence than we have actually a presence in dispensaries. But if I did have, a, if I did have the money, um, I think I, if rather than me being hands on, I would invest in somebody else to to do it. I would invest in somebody else who I felt was really they really had the business mind to keep something like that going and understood the laws in their city and understood how things like that change. I would really would do that if I had the money. I'd rather put it in somebody else's hands who would know how to do that. I more see that it's, we need a presence in media. If you don't see people like myself or you see people um, like Charlotte Green, I know who's on your show with The Weed Show, if you're not seeing more, again, more people of color in in, in media even speaking about this, then you're, you're, it's, it's to the wayside everything. Like you're just kind of running in the circle that you've already been running in for decades in this country. I want to talk to you more about the role of, of uh, independent media in the cannabis space, but before we do that, we've got to take our second break. This is the Entrepreneur.com podcast. I'm T.G. Brandfall. At Gontrepreneur, we have heard from dozens of cannabis business owners who have encountered the issue of canna bias, which is when a mainstream business, whether a landlord, bank, or some other provider of vital business services, refuses to do business with them simply because of their association with cannabis. We have even heard stories of businesses being unable to provide health and life insurance for their employees because the insurance providers were too afraid to work with them. We believe that this fear is totally unreasonable and that cannabis business owners deserve access to the same services and resources that other businesses are afforded, that they should be able to hire consultation to help them follow the letter of the law in their business endeavors, and that they should be able to provide employee benefits without needing to compromise on the quality of coverage they can offer. This is why we created the Gondrepreneur.com Business Service Directory, a resource for cannabis professionals to find and connect with service providers who are cannabis-friendly and who are actively seeking cannabis industry clients. If you are considering hiring a business consultant, lawyer, accountant, web designer, or any other ancillary service for your business, go to Gondrepreneur.com businesses to browse hundreds of agencies, firms, and organizations who support cannabis legalization and who want to help you grow your business. With so many options to choose from in each service category, you will be able to browse company profiles and do research on multiple companies in advance so you can find the provider who is the best fit for your particular need. Our business service directory is intended to be a useful and well-maintained resource, which is why we individually vet each listing that is submitted. If you are a business service provider who wants to work with cannabis clients, you may be a good fit for our service directory. 
Go to gondrepreneur.com slash businesses to create your profile and start connecting with cannabis entrepreneurs today. Welcome back to the Gontrepreneur.com podcast. I'm your host, T.G. Brandfault, here with Mecca King, filmmaker, the color green, cash, color, and cannabis, and the podcast host of Cash, Color, and Cannabis. Uh, before the break, we were talking about, you know, the, the, the role of independent media. Um, we, you know, we, we both went to journalism school. Uh, you know, we've both written for traditional outlets uh, as well as, you know, independent outlets. Uh, where... Where do you see the independent media's role in this space? Oh man, I see. I feel the independent media role is 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 the the one thing we should be really focusing on currently. You know, um, again, when we talk about pop culture, you talk about not just music, but you talk about the media and you talk about movies, everything you see, and and representation matters. You know what I mean? And it really de- and we really need to see more voices, more people. Um, you know, covering this industry from our perspective, you know, and not saying that that High Times or Mary Jane or any of these other publications aren't doing that, but it's just one of those things you're going to need to do if it is important, as they say, to get more people of color involved in this industry. We're going to need more shows like, again, Charlotte Green's The Weed Show, where she talks specifically from a perspective of cannabis, where whether it be um, how cannabis affects you sexually to how it affects you um, um, medically to just, you know, saying just her having conversations about people smoking in families and things like that. You need that as much as you need to show like Cash Color Cannabis, where our show isn't so focused on the whole cannabis aspect, but we creating a we're creating a, a, a space where where people who do consume could come watch and come be entertained by a, by a, a, just a good interview and a good show. You know what I mean? Like you need you need those type of situations happening out out here. You need people out here actually covering these events and actually going and putting mics in front of some of these faces, and you need to see those faces look like you. You know, again, representation matters a whole lot. And when you see, like even now, there's a big push about women being involved in the industry. And that has a lot to do with representation. Again, from Weeds to Mary Janes to, um, to, to, you just see a lot of women being portrayed as people of, of power in this industry. So of course you're gonna see more women wondering, you know, well, where can I fit in? You're going to see that more. So I feel like if, if you really want to see people of color getting involved in this industry, politics is great. Past laws is great. But until you see a good representation of what you're trying to of what you're trying to push, then then I don't know what to tell you. Like I thought Grow House, Grow House came out um, a couple of months ago. I thought Grow House was a good example of if you want to get people of color involved, this is a this is a decent this is a decent image. Now again, it's a comedy. It wasn't like a, the most most serious film ever. But you're talking about two brothers who are about to leave their regular life to go work in a dispensary. You know what I mean? Like like again, as funny as that is, and as com- as, as comedic as it is, and you got Lil Duval and D Ray as the as the, as the stars. That's still a, that's still one of the things where if again if I was somebody in college watching this, I'd be like, hey, I wonder how I can get involved. You know, and it's simply because you're actually seeing this. We need to see more. We need to see more representation. And I feel like the media and the independent media is playing needs to play a bigger role if you want to make that happen. And if you want to make that happen. On this idea of of representation, when when you were filming uh, your documentary, did you face any resistance from potential subjects due to fear or reprisal of being associated with the industry? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny. Uh, when I initially started this, yeah, we um, I've had conversations with people who eventually would become, I guess, um, 
vocal about this, the, the topic who told me this wasn't a conversation, you know, that that within the cannabis industry, cannabis sees no race and there's no there's no problem with race in this, in, in this industry at all. And I knew that I knew better, you know, what I mean, but but yeah, I, I faced I faced backlash from a couple of people. There's been people who who didn't want to speak on camera. There have been people who don't want to who don't want to, I guess, ruffle feathers because they, they do have businesses that are that are um, not not solid just yet. And they don't want to mess that up by by drawing a line. And what my my response to them was, I'm not drawing the line and I'm not trying to make you draw a line. What I'm trying to do is create a conversation that needs to be had. So you're not having this conversation 10 years down the road and people saying, why didn't you have it then? Why didn't you have it earlier? You know what I mean? Like, like at some point, you're going to have to have an uncomfortable conversation with people about what you're feeling. And if you don't do that, then then you're going to forever be. You're going to be you're going to no matter how long it takes, it's going to take you longer to get that out. And the longer it takes for you to get that out, the more pe- the less people are going to have sympathy about you, your issues. So I feel like right now is the perfect time. So, yeah, I did feel I did fight some on um, some some people who, who did have a little backlash against the production. But it's also why I did it on my own and I funded it on my own. I didn't want to have to be to be um, beholden to what people felt or what other people's interests. I wanted to make a story that I wanted to make. I wanted to take it on as if I did was assigned by double XL or was assigned by a magazine like that to co-cover this industry. I want to cover it like that. And I have been able to, despite the fact that we've we faced a little bit of backlash. I don't anymore. You know, people are much more open to having this conversation currently, but when we first started last January, no, no, we, we faced a lot of backlash actually. And what were some of the most surprising things you learned while filming the documentary? Uh, one of the most surprising things I learned was um, there, as, as much as we do have a lot of um, prominent names, uh, I guess when I say prominent names, like people like Wanda James uh, or Charlotte Greens, there's a lot, there's a huge, huge, huge up, uprising of younger people, like um, millennials and, 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 and that type who are really hands-on in this industry and they're really going to make some of these changes. Like um, one guy I ran into while I was in New York, um, Mikey Don, he has a website called Herbs TV. Um, they make branded content where they partner up with different brands and they go to events and they kind of just kind of create the content for those events and those brands. Um, while I was speaking to him, I was sitting there looking at him like, yeah, you are the, you're the type of person we need to see more of. You know what I mean? You're somebody who is a, a, in the younger crowd who has this cool take where you just want to go out and cover it. And you just want to make sure that people see what's going on from your perspective. We need more of you. So it was dope to see younger people being so, so energetic and being so creative about how they want to get in the industry and not so much touching the plant. I heard a lot of people speak about how they want to uh, come up with, with, with apps and come up with, with media outlets and things like that. And not so much, I want to have a dispensary or I want to have an edible brand. So I thought that was one thing I did learn um, from, from the documentary is that this younger generation has a lot of energy about this industry and they have a lot of creative ideas that really will eventually bring more people of color in. You're talking about technology, you're talking about media, you're talking about things that can't be regulated by law um, unless Donald Trump really just trips out one day. Can't be modern, you know, <laughs> they're limited by law as opposed to dispensaries and dealing with the plan. You're talking about things like that. You, you start conquering technology and media, then yeah, you really got power now. So I, I want to talk to you a bit about Georgia. Uh, that's where you're living now, but yeah. you're not from there, right? No, I'm from Boston, yeah, but I've been living in Atlanta for uh, seven years now. 
And then, and then, and then your your homes, your where you're from, goes and legalizes on you while you're exactly. <laughs> but you know what? It, it helped. It helped the conversation between me and my mother because my mother, again, when she first heard I was doing the documentary, um, it was similar to my man from Weeda Kid. Like the first thing she said was, "Don't ever smoke on camera," <laughs> and, and you know what I mean, and avoid getting arrested. And now that the Massachusetts is going through the changes they're going through, me and her actually have full conversations. Like she tells me how her, me and my dad, her and my father met at a jazz club, and then she'll start speaking to me about jazz and weed and how they used to terrorize Ray Charles. She's like, I remember when they used to arrest Ray Charles left and right. So yeah. I'm glad they I'm glad they did open it up. I'm mad I missed it, but I'm glad they opened it up. So so I, I want to share a story with you quickly. Sure. A friend of mine was arrested after police discovered a huge supply of cannabis, edibles, flour, oil, you name it. Uh, white guy didn't spend a day in jail. Rather, he was given lengthy probation. It, this really sort of shocked me because this is Georgia. Yeah. And when he was arrested, I, you know, I half jokingly said to him, well, we're white, but I mean, that's not really a joke. It's a cold truth. Um, is, is that what you see in Georgia? These, these d- disparate sentences and, and what's been your experience living down there? Oh yeah. You, you, you often see it. And you know, depending on who you're dealing with, people will have an honest, like, like how you have with your friend, they'll have an honest, um, um, assumption. Uh, they'll have an honest reception of what, what they'll have an honest um, answer about what you said. You know what I mean? Like they'll know that yeah, this is real. And w- one thing about being in Georgia is you can get. I mean, as a person of color, you will run into a lot of. Um, you'll run into police based off what they think you have. Like um, I could be smoking a cigarette. I could be smoking a black and mild outside. A cop driving by could believe that's weed, and that's enough for them to start a whole search on you. Um, run your background. If you don't have your ID on you, that's immediately you're getting arrested down in in Atlanta. If you don't have your uh, an ID on you, um, yeah, you 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 could run through just a list of reasons why you're gonna get arrested by simply having the thought that you have weed. So yeah, to hear somebody actually get picked up with with actual product on them and the most they got was probation. I'm not overly shocked, but it's one of those things that again we 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 in order for us to fully see changing, we're gonna have to take control of a lot of things. And again, it's pop culture, past issues, and and, and pop pop culture, past issues, and politics. We gotta really start taking control of that because there there should be no reason why there's a there's a huge disparity, like you said, where one guy can have all this and get probation. Where I can, and this is, has happened to me before, I could be sitting on a corner smoking a cigarette, and that cigarette could be uh, could be assumed to be a joint. And next thing you know, you're in handcuffs until they figure out who you are. You know what I mean? And, and, that, and that, that's, that's, a, that's a terrifying feeling if you ever go through that, to know that you're, you're, you're now, you're, your freedom is based off what they decide. Or what they figure out, or what they find out. Like I've done jail, I've done jail time based off me having not having my bus pass one time and having a warrant, and all that started because again I was smoking a black and mild on the street, and the cop thought it was a blunt, and a, a, immediately approached me, immediately put me in handcuffs, immediately asked for my ID, immediately ran my ID and said, "Well, you do have a warrant for this." And next thing you know, you're sitting in jail. You're sitting in jail for step for a little while until somebody could bail you out for the seventy five dollars that they needed to bail you out for. So you were in Georgia uh, when they uh, pushed that, they, they passed that CBD uh, legislation. When, in your opinion, as, 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 a, as a journalist, as a documentarian, as a, as a resident of the state, you know, somebody who watches this issue closely, what's it going to take to get a comprehensive medical cannabis program set up in that state? Set up in that state, um, you know what? I'm going to agree with a, a guest I had on my podcast, um, Tyler Chronicles. I'm going to agree with him. I believe Georgia would have to almost go bankrupt 
in order for us to see something <laughs> that serious. He said, you know, and he, and he made a point. He said, if you realize a lot of the states, including even California, were close to running out of money before, before they really came up with this yeah. vision of saying, let's go here. Um, Alaska. Yeah, and I feel like Georgia's close to the same thing. Like, people often say that, you know, they look at Georgia and they think Atlanta. Well, Atlanta and Georgia are two different places. And anybody, if you come down here, they'll tell you the same thing. What Atlanta is okay with doesn't mean the rest of Georgia is okay with it. So it's going to be a slow sell to sell what I want to do here to people in Athens, you know, what I'm saying and, and, and people in Barstow and people way out in Georgia. It's going to be a, it's going to be a hard sell because, again, you now you're dealing again with past issues, politics and pop culture. You're dealing with people who um, are knee deep in, in, in civil rights era stuff and still into war and drugs things. And they, they don't want to see anything, don't care what they're seeing in the news right now. So you're talking about I personally would feel like maybe it's going to take a while. Like I would have really thought that Florida would have jumpstarted Georgia. You know, I, I really doubt that Georgia's going to sit back and watch Florida, not only pass medical, but watch them make a lot of money off it before they start saying to themselves, maybe we should get involved in this. But I really feel like Georgia's going to have to take a really, it's going to have to go through some real bad times before they say this might be an answer for them. So, I mean, it, Again, I mean, these are these are all like such deeply ingrained issues, not just in, you know, cannabis politics and the cannabis industry. But I mean, these are these are very deep, deep social issues. Um, how did you separate if, if you were able to separate the these industry and political issues from the social issues when you were filming your documentary? Um, it's, it is hard, you know, because a lot of times they all they, they, they are all one in the same or they can't be all one in the same. Um, just what I try to do, as always, I try to take it. I try to take on the story from the perspective of me just being a journalist that you really want to get the best story possible. So you're going to have to ask as many sides. You're going to have to be as uh, as uh, unbiased as possible and just allow people to give their sides. So I, I don't I don't try to stop step in front of anybody who has an opinion. I don't want to I don't want to say um, and I don't want to make it seem like I'm trying to push a cause. I just really want to get a good a good story out that'll make people still have this conversation years from now, or still be relevant for, for people years from now. So yeah, it was hard to do, but it wasn't one of those things that I mean I tried to I tried to separate. Like you, you're not going to be able to at all times. Like politics and and pop culture, like I said, could be one and the same. Like the. I'll see Jay-Z campaigning for Hillary Clinton, just like I'll see a, a star campaigning for, for Donald Trump. You never, you can't separate these two things in, in America. And so, man, where can people, like, what's what's going on next with the film? Are, are you screening it right now? Is it, is it, do you have a planned release? We are planning to debut it um, next year, actually, in the Atlanta Film Festival. Um, we're heading to edit at the end of this month. We got one more shoot to do in L.A., and then we are we are absolutely done. But we're shooting to debut it at the Atlanta Film Festival next year. Um, and after that, um, hopefully I can get into another couple of festivals. We have some festivals we have in mind targeted. Um, I'd love to get into South by Southwest. I'd love to do the Martha's Vineyard Film Festival and the ABFF. But we're definitely going to do the Atlanta Film Festival. Um, after that, we're probably going to do some private screenings um, in all the cities that we did film in from Atlanta to L.A., um, New York, D.C., and definitely my hometown, Boston. I take it back to the bean. And then after that, um, um, who knows? You know, I definitely wouldn't I would would love to see it on a streaming platform. Like, I really think this is one of those conversations that would be you're going to keep having almost like um, it just, it's one of those conversations that you, no matter when you put, when you would play this documentary, it's still going to be some point, some product in, 
some problem in here is still going to be relevant to still having a conversation. So I feel like, you know, there's tons of growth as far as how we can screen it or what we want to do with it. But I do know right now, next February is going to be the first time we'll actually screen it on a large scale. So if you're in Atlanta Film Festival, we're going to be there. I know this. We're definitely going to do that. So where can where in the meantime, where can people find out more about you, your projects, the film, the podcast? How, how do how do how do they link up with you, Mecca? Sure, sure. Um, they can find us um, um at Instagram actually at the Color Green Movie. That'd probably be the best place. We have a lot of behind the scenes clips, pictures, and all that from all of our shoots. Um, you can also find some more at Vimeo. You can go, um, log onto our Vimeo page. That's v i m e o dot com backslash the Color Green Movie. Um, you can see our two trailers. You can also again see some more behind the scenes footage from some of our shoots there and also um you can check us out at cashcolorcannabis.com um there we have links to the podcast we have links to the trailers uh, and links to myself as far as i'm um, just learning a little bit more about me and learning a little bit more about what we're trying to do all together with the cash color cannabis brand as far as the podcast the events and the blog well man these are really really important things uh that you're tackling you know and and you know, I, I'm real excited to see the the documentary in its finished form. Um, you know, I might have to I might have to take the trip to Boston to check it out, though. You know, I'm, a, I'm an East Coast guy. I would love for that, man. You know what? But I'll tell you what: when we get when we get the final edit, I'll make sure we'll send you. Um, a, I'll get you a, a a chance to see the screener. I'll get you an early chance to see that. That that would be awesome, man, and and you know definitely keep us posted as as to you know the the progress of of where it's getting screened and you know I I, I think that this is a conversation that needs to be had. I think it's an important conversation that isn't really being had for the variety of reasons that you mentioned. And again, I'm I'm really thrilled that that somebody is really you know taking this issue and and putting it on a screen and, and putting it on a podcast and, and getting the word out there that, that something needs to occur um, within this industry. And, and, you know, the, and, and someone, someone's got to be the advocate for it. So, so you, you know, good on you, man. And I appreciate your time for, for coming on the show. Man, TG, appreciate you, man. I, I, like I said, I don't normally like doing interviews, but I, this is this is great. <laughs> I do appreciate your time. I appreciate you being so, um, just being, allowing me to speak a little bit today. Hey, man. Well, well, we'll, we'll link up soon, right? Maybe on the East Coast, huh? Yes, sir. Definitely, definitely. Appreciate your time. You can find more episodes of the Gontrepreneur.com podcast in the podcast section of Gontrepreneur.com and in the Apple iTunes store. On the Gontrepreneur.com website, you will find the latest cannabis news and cannabis jobs updated daily along with transcripts of this podcast. You can also download the Gontrepreneur.com app in iTunes and Google Play. This episode was engineered by Jeremy Sebastiano. I've been your host, T.G. Brandfold.